Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into Business Insights, a podcast series brought to you by Annex Business Media and MNP, one of Canada's leading national consulting firms. My name is Paul Grossinger, and I am the Director of Content at Annex Business Media, Canada's largest B2B media company. Today, I am honored to speak with Johan Tommy from MNP, who will be looking back at the past 15 months and sharing his thoughts on the advantages of long-term thinking and how business disruption can be turned into a positive. Johan, welcome to Business Insights. A pleasure meeting you. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Would love for you just to introduce yourself, what you do and what your role is at MNP. Paul, lovely to meet you as well. My name is Johan Tommy. I'm uh, a partner at MNP that takes care of value creation and performance improvement services. And what that really is, is helping businesses scale, improve, and really helping that small to medium-sized company, uh, which is the backbone of our economy, move from just surviving to thriving, uh, given what's happened, especially through COVID. I guess, as you know, we've conducted this survey in partnership with MNP, and we've surveyed small to mid-sized businesses across the country. And and one of the things we wanted to, to talk to them about was how they're feeling during this pandemic. In your discussion with a lot of businesses, how do you feel um, these businesses are feeling these days, sort of hopefully coming out of pandemic? I know one of the things in the uh, in the survey was about how 15% of businesses say that they're, they're not prepared for another wave of COVID. Uh, it's interesting, when I, when I kind of survey my clients, a lot of them are very surprised at the amount of help that the government did provide them uh, and for the length of time. So I know initially we were just talking about a 12-week wage subsidy, but a lot of businesses have really been able to take that money and change their business models, capitalize their business well, invest in innovation, change their products and services and the way they go to market, uh, use digital, uh, I think, platforms to reinvent themselves. But a lot of businesses didn't do that. A lot of businesses took the money, invested it well, kept people employed, which, which kept our economy moving ahead. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not facing a 10% uh, drop in GDP. It's, it's single-digit drops. They're more worried about, and I think it, it correlates well to the, the, the survey results, they're worried about a third wave and is the government going to support them in the same way? Okay, personally, I don't think so. Not in the same way that the government has over the last uh, six to eight months. And these businesses haven't done very much to realign their business models. You know, if you were set up to be a $25 million business and you really made, you broke even at $20 million, today your sales are dropping by 20 or 30 or 40%. How do you still remain break even or profitable at $15 million? Right. And so when the pandemic hit, um, I think no one knew what what the future was going to hold back in March. And I think we were all hoping that things would quickly get back to normal. If you recall what the first three or four months were like during the pandemic, what were you advising your, your customers and businesses? So what I was advising them to do was to spend a proportional amount of time also thinking about the long term and not just thinking about the short term. So number one, short term get a good cash flow going, get a good 13-week cash flow, looking out 13 weeks, understanding exactly what the issues are going to be, and then going to your, your lenders or your financial partners and making sure you have enough capital to survive the short term. Also into those forecasts, building in a certain amount of reinvestment capital. So you know, if you're going to go ask people for another million dollars to make sure that you get through the pandemic, can you spend 200,000 of that million million dollars to somehow retool and and help propel you and turn that huge ship of a company out of that tidal wave that's approaching you, right? And a lot of companies did that, 
But it's interesting. I, I, I think when I chatted with most of my clients, there's so many programs, a lot of them spend 95% of their time deciding which program to apply to, right? And that's where their mental space was. And not enough time looking at capital investment, you know, strategic renewal, thinking about changing their company, digital investment. I think going into this pandemic, Canada had one of the lowest rates of capital investment of, you know, any of the G20 uh, countries. So capital investment was suffering as it is, and it's continued to suffer during the pandemic. I would assume it goes back to that train of thought is that a lot of business owners and operators spend a lot of time working in their business and not working on their business, yeah. right? And I guess certain things like this, I guess, of course, there's negative impacts of what a, a pandemic can bring. Would you say there's any positives coming out of it from a, a business process perspective? I think so. I, I think that uh, there there are a handful of clients that I've seen in the marketplace that uh, that stepped into this, that leaned into this and used this opportunity to of disruption to change their company. And I saw an interesting meme when the when the uh, when the pandemic first struck, it said uh, it was on LinkedIn, and it said, "Who led the restructuring of your company from an analog business to a digital business?" And it was, you know, choice number one, CEO; choice number two, CFO; choice number three was, you know, your your chief transformational officer; or four, the COVID virus. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I think for most right. businesses, it was that it was that fourth choice where people said, "Hey, you know what? Here's an opportunity that we have now." to do some of the things that we've always wanted to do and to our business. So a great example is Pepsi, right? And what Pepsi did is, you know, they had a distribution network where they distribute their products through that network. Uh, lots of food companies do so, you know, pick anyone. And what Pepsi did is they said, well, hang on a second. We've, it's so much easier and we're more in control of our supply chain if we just go direct to customer. So they, they actually took the opportunity to launch snacks.com, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we'd watched the Super Bowl, you would have seen, you know, a bunch of these ads where, you know, you're, you're sitting at home and, you know, you're, you're, you want to order food for your poker party or Super Bowl party, right? And, and you can do that online. You don't have to leave. It all gets delivered to your home. Well, guess what now? Pepsi wanted to go digital. It was easier for them. It was better for them. But they used the pandemic and the circumstances around it to actually implement it and get ahead. Fortunately, Paul, one of the trends that I've seen are the larger companies that that think through kind of longer term strategy and longer term disruption knew exactly how the disruption and the challenges were going to be looked at as opportunities and they and they value those opportunities and they knew exactly how they were going to pivot towards them. In in most cases, it was some sort of a digital disruption and, and being able to to, uh, to to use their digital platform. Some of them had already built these digital platforms. They just haven't launched them. Unfortunately, most small to medium-sized companies weren't thinking uh, about necessarily disruption. So, you know, one very practical thing that companies can do is think through the next three to five years, think through, you know, COVID wave four, five, or six, and hopefully there isn't one. And and what are the opportunities that are going to come out of that? How do these companies create solutions for their customers and the marketplace where the market isn't necessarily, the competitors aren't necessarily thinking in those dimensions to solving those problems. Every industry has a different kind of risk framework, I would assume, right? So whether you're in retail or property management, right? And so can you just talk about some of the markets that you focus on and the different factors a, a business sh- should consider when it comes to risk framework? Absolutely. Well, I'll give you two examples. So 
Uh, we have a client that's in the food distribution business and, a, and a, a fairly significant business. And then we have another client in the furniture retail business. Uh, and they distribute as well. They don't manufacture, but they, they have some amazing products. I quite like them. The, the second business, which is the furniture business, when, when COVID first happened, they recognized that people were likely not going to be selling their home, that people are likely going to be spending a little bit more money in terms of making their home a little bit more livable because they were going to be spending more time there. So they actually went to their logistics partners and to their manufacturers and they used the whole opportunity where the market did shrink. People, people just stopped doing business. They didn't know what to do for about two or three weeks. They, they spent all their time watching webinars, right? And, <laughs> and what these guys did was they actually went to these, these suppliers and their logistics partners, and they locked in greater volumes for delivery of product at reduced rates. And it's really interesting because, you know, today if you and I were to order furniture, you click on the furniture piece you want, it's sold out. It's hard to get furniture. You go to their website and they've tripled, if tripled since COVID started, mainly because they just had stock and their profitability has gone through the roof because they, they negotiated rates that were really low at the start of the pandemic. And it's interesting today, when you look at freight rates, logistics rates, they've all gone up significantly because what's happened is regardless of industry, the supply chains are, are jammed up and, and there's a little bit of a bidding war for that container now. Interesting. And so one of the things in the survey that caught me off guard was in the first survey we did pre-COVID, around 40% of the respondents said that they were prepared for future challenges and disruption to their business. In the survey we did, the second survey we did, which is sort of during pandemic, that number jumped from 40 to 54 and I would think it would be from 40 to like 80. You would think that more businesses would take what they learned over the first eight months of the pandemic and really focus on future challenges. Are you shocked at all that disparity? I'm, I'm not shocked, Paul. And I think what I'm going to say is going to be unpopular, but I, I see it with, with lots of concern. A lot of the, the funding uh, dispersed during the pandemic was eligibility based. Prove to me that you're eligible and I will give you the money. And I think what it should have been is the, the, gov the government had to do something and they reacted quickly, which was, which was great, right? But uh, beyond a certain point, when they extended the programs, what they should have done is keep a component of the funding and maybe it's 50% of the funding to be a merit-based you know, system as well, where they're saying, hey, we'd be happy to give you, you know, the $800,000 that we gave you to cover wage subsidy, but we're willing to give you $200,000 more if you can show us how you will use this specific funding to invest in the long term, not just your cash flow. And that was the issue. Companies use the money to sustain their cash flow. I'll give you a very, very, very simple example. Okay, we all go to a dentist. Now, the dentists were shut down uh, when, when COVID first hit. A lot of them got uh, the 75% uh, the subsidy. Some of them laid their staff off and then they got the SIBA loan, which is the $40,000 a zero interest loan and, and, and you know, $10,000 of that was, was forgivable and it's now topped up to, to $60,000. I had one client, he got the loan and he said, Johan, what do I do with it? And I said, here's what I would do with it. I would take the money. I've been to your clinic. He's actually my dentist. I'd say I build another two operatories. I would, I would, I would build small operatories Right? Maybe they're maybe they're not full-blown operatories where you need you know new chairs and all the equipment, which is very expensive. 
but you can do some examination because what you're going to need is, is you're not going to be able to transition as much patient flow through the same rooms because you're going to have to create some time for sanitation or for the aerosols to kind of die down in the room or the filters to pick it up. So that's exactly what he did, right? You know, hate, hate to be, you know, it, it's nice to be right sometimes, exactly what he did. And what's interesting is coming out of the pandemic, there was a massive backlog of, of dental appointments. You know, Paul and Johan hadn't got their teeth cleaned in six months. And now what happened is he was actually able to take on new patients that couldn't get appointments with their dentists. So the, the concept is, how do I use this money that's, that, that was, I, I think, meant to provide, meant to just keep the economy on its feet, but, but use a portion of it for your long-term improvement. And that's an example of taking a, a, something that's very disruptive, that's going to impact your business, and, and, and thinking more long-term about it. I see. Looking forward, what advice do you have to businesses that are slowly recovering and opening up? And how do they survive and thrive in the future? So I think uh, liquidity is going to be an issue moving forward. Uh, if you're a business that imports anything into Canada as part of your cost of goods sold, or, or you're a business that buys here locally, there's going to be some amount of imported inflation. We're already seeing it. We're all paying a lot more for our groceries today than we were paying for it eight months ago. Uh, and, then, and then I think the banks so far, the, the government's pumping a lot of money into the economy, but you know, I, I, I don't know where things are going to be in about a year from now. We're already seeing a little bit of a liquidity crisis in some industries. Sales has dropped. It's harder to go back to the bank and ask for more money when your sales have dropped and your profitability has dropped. So the one advice I would give any company is to, is to engage in a products and services rationalization conversation, right? And what, I'm, what I mean by that is uh, make your bets, make them strategically, and don't just look at profitability because, Paul, that shirt that you're wearing, maybe a $100 shirt that generates 40% margin. This shirt that I'm wearing is also a $100 shirt that generates 20% margin. Which yeah. shirt do I sell? Well, the first one with 40% margin. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Here's why. And that's, and, and, hey, I, I tricked you. I got you. You put me on the spot there. I put you on the spot there, <laughs> Paul. Because that shirt that, that, that you own, okay, could be imported, okay? And it could be on the high seas for 90 days or 120 days. This shirt here could be from Muskoka. I don't know. And I could be turning my cash on this shirt. It could only take me 15 days to order this shirt. It could be taking me 150 days to get in your shirt. Right. I'm able to turn my cash way faster. And I think what you need to start doing is looking at your business, figuring out how long it's taking you to turn your cash and, 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 and bringing that in as a function of figuring out what products should I be selling and or, Paul, I may be able to sell that plaid shirt you're wearing in blue and not and cut 30 days off my supply chain. And no, that's what the demand is going to be there. Right. So I think your shirt looks like it's brown on webcam, but the brown shirt may take 30 days longer than the blue shirt. Well, am I making more money on the brown shirt? Maybe 1% more margin. Hey, you know what? Guess what? When you, when you do the math, it doesn't make sense. Sell, sell the blue shirt. So I think the same is true for service-based businesses, right? Absolutely. Where there's companies that, that are focusing on gross margin, but not focusing on what I call gross margin ROI. Right, which is a function of how many times you can turn it and turn your cash. Got it. One last question. Are you optimistic about the future of Canadian businesses? I am absolutely. This is 
uh, you know, it, 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 our, our nation is in the top five in the world in terms of uh, startups for capital population. We are very nimble. We look at opportunities and we can fix them. I think that I'd like to see some of these grants and loans uh, encourage some of that behavior for sure. I think that we'll come out stronger and more innovative. You can already see uh, technology companies in our country grow through this pandemic, become market leaders because they've they've embraced some of these disruption points. I just think that you know if you're an industry leader and you know you're not in technology, well, start thinking about how to disrupt your industry on a global scale. I'm very, very, very hopeful. I, I just think that we need to dream a little bit bigger and we're totally capable of it in this country. We've, we've shown that we can. Great. Thanks so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I know our audience will find your insights and experiences informative and useful as they continue to explore ways to grow and expand their respective business. Thanks, Paul. Stay tuned for future episodes of Business Insights brought to you by MNP. Please check out mmpbusinessinsights.ca to listen to other episodes of our podcast and to learn more about the impact COVID-19 has had and is having on Canadian businesses from coast to coast.